This is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to helping engineers succeed in work and life. The show is hosted by engineering enthusiast Anthony Fasano and Chris Knutson. Both are professional engineers who found success early in their careers and now work together to help other engineers do the same. Now it's showtime. Hello, this is Anthony Fasano, and this is the show for engineers who want to succeed in both work and life. Today, we're going to focus on what I think is one of the most critical skills that you'll need to build to become a successful engineer, and that is communication. In today's episode, I'm going to be interviewing Skip Wiseman, who I will introduce momentarily here, who's an expert in workplace communication. So I'm really excited about this episode because this is this is a topic that I get a lot of email messages and LinkedIn messages from engineers about communication and how they're having trouble with it and how it's really affecting their career negatively and really their life overall. So before we jump in here to the main segment of our show and I introduce Skip, I'd like to take a moment to recognize our sponsor for today's episode. If you want to be guaranteed to pass the FEPE or SE exam, I recommend you check out PPI's review courses. PPI is so confident that you'll pass your exam after completing their course that if you don't, you can repeat the course for free. I'll have more information about PPI's review courses a little later on in the show. All right, now I want to give you a quote related to today's topic to bring us right into the show. And the quote goes as follows. The way we communicate with others and with ourselves ultimately determines the quality of our lives. And that's by Tony Robbins. And again, the way we communicate with others and with ourselves ultimately determines the quality of our lives. All right, let's jump right into the main segment. So for today's main segment, I do have with me here Skip Wiseman. I'm going to introduce Skip here, tell you a little bit about his background, and then we'll jump right in with him and get into some of the communication failures of engineers. Skip Wiseman is an internationally recognized expert in workplace communication. He works with small business owners and their teams to create championship company cultures by getting all individuals in the work environment to communicate more effectively together. The result is a more positive, more productive, and even more profitable company or project in our case. Recently, Skip has been invited to speak to engineering organizations and associations to help engineers and project managers to communicate more effectively within their own organizations, as well as to serve clients at much higher levels to improve project profitability. Over the first 20 years of his professional career, Skip served as CEO for five different professional baseball franchises in the U.S. He left the game of his childhood dream following the 2001 baseball season due to personal lifestyle choices. Skip has appeared on Fox Business News and is often quoted in articles for Forbes.com, U.S. News & World Report on workplace communication issues. His latest white paper report is titled The Missing Ingredient to Improving Employee Performance and is available as a free download on his website at www.yourchampionshipcompany.com. The show notes for the episode today will be located at engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash champion. And the show notes will contain a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as any links to any of the resources, websites, or books that we mentioned during the show. And again, that's engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash champion. So with that, let me welcome in Skip. Skip, how are you doing today? Doing great, Anthony. Thanks so much for having me. 
Oh, thanks for coming on. We, we really appreciate having you. Communication is such a critical component in engineering, as you probably know, because typically we work on project teams with a lot of different consultants on very large, stress, pressure-filled projects. So it's a pleasure to have you on to talk a little bit about engineering. So let's jump right in here. I know you want to talk a little bit about uh, the risk of damaging relationships with people when it comes to communication. Why don't you, you start off and tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Well, as, as you know, working on a project team to get, get things done or in any team, especially in, in my background in professional sports, you know, communication is critical. And just the way we say something or the way we don't say something is either going to improve the relationship or damage the relationship. And actually, uh, through the work I've done the last 15 years with organizations, I've noticed there's actually three potential outcomes from our communication. And how we communicate is either building the relationship, building trust between two people, or it's slowly eroding the trust between two people, or the scary thing is it's, it's even instantly destroying the trust between two people uh, or a team. And if you think about that, the, the odds are not in your favor. There's two out of three are not the direction you want to be going in. And so it, it's vital that we consciously communicate regularly every time we're in front of somebody or in front of a team presenting or communicating that, that we're consciously communicating to build trust and, and really have an outcome in mind that we want to build the relationship um, at all costs, really, uh, in the right way. I think it's a really good approach to take and to think about. I mean, as an engineer, I know myself, we don't always think in this way about developing this trust. So whether whether you're talking about a project architect that you're working with or a contractor you're working with or your own supervisor or a client who might be a developer or municipality, yep. every action you take, every communication that you have with them is you know, like Skip said, either building trust, eroding trust, or destroying the trust. And I think that that's a great way to frame communication. I think we all know communication is important, but when you talk about it like that, Skip, it really seems like it puts a lot more value on it. Yeah, it does. And when you realize that the two out of those three options are going in the wrong direction, you know, again, the odds are not in your favor and you have to be really conscious about it. And the other thing for engineers to really understand is the importance of trust. If they haven't read the book, The Speed of Trust by Stephen M. R. Covey, I highly recommend it. What Stephen has said in his research that as trust goes down, speed goes down and costs go up. And conversely, as trust goes up, speed goes up and costs go down. So that's directly relating to the success of the projects engineers are working on and speaks to the value and the importance of, of trust. It's not just some uh, fuzzy, you know, fluffy, you know, soft thing. It's, it's vitally important to project success. We'll link to that book in the show notes for sure. So let's keep moving here, Skip. I know that you have seven big mistakes that engineers make when they communicate that causes virtually all of their communication problems. So let's dive into those seven mistakes. Sure. They're all framed in the way that there's something missing or there's a lack of something going on in, in the communication that, that they're not thinking about or you're not bringing to the table. Uh, and the first is a lack of specificity. And that is where we expect mostly. It's not malicious, uh, but it's just really unconscious communication. It's lazy communication habits where we're non, not specific enough. And I know in the engineering field, obviously, there's a lot of specificity around, you know, uh, what needs to be done to, to create a successful project or a successful initiative or, or whatever regarding the technical aspects, you know, of, of what needs to be implemented or applied to get your, uh, your project done. But the, the thing we're talking about, a lack of specificity, is just how we're communicating with other people, managing expectations. 
or setting next steps or just following through. And, you know, we've all probably had those situations where we've been at somewhere at the right time, but in the wrong location or the right location in the wrong time, things like that. So, you know, have you ever walked away from a conversation knowing you didn't have all the information, but for whatever reason, you did not push back or ask for more information and then you walked away and you had to figure it out after the fact or call somebody else or you just leave a conversation confused and, and you don't get all the information you need or you don't give all the information you need. Lack of specificity is really, uh, it's an epidemic in uh, not, not just the engineering field, but in a lot of uh, different industries and even in our personal life. Because we make assumptions and you know, we learned at a very early age what happens when we assume things and yet we still fall into that, that pattern of just allowing nonspecific communication to, uh, you know, to get in our way. Yeah, and I'm just thinking about it too. Some examples I know from when I was doing my engineering design work. I mean, if you're dealing with a client and they have a site that's five acres and you tell them, well, you know, it looks like there's some wetlands on the site. You know, some wetlands could be half their site or it could be half an acre out of the five acres. So I think it's even more important in some of these project situations where if you're not specific, it could make or break a project. And then that goes back to the trust factor that could destroy the trust with people. So that sounds like a big one, especially in the engineering realm. All right, Skip, what's the next one? Next one is what we call a lack of desirable behaviors. And a lack of desirable behaviors basically means we're telling people what we want them not to do or to stop doing. You know, so stop coming late to meetings, you know, make sure you don't forget that report on Friday. But we're framing our conversation in, in things that we don't want as opposed to what we do want. And what this does is it causes, again, confusion. It's sort of a subset of a lack of specificity, but it's a very specific way to, to frame and look at the conversation. So instead of telling somebody you know, what you don't want, you got to tell them what you do want. Now, you can tell them what you want them to stop doing or what you don't want, and you need to follow that up with the specific behavior you want because it creates trial and error. They hear that you don't want this, you don't want that, and so they try something else. And that's wrong too. And they try something else and that's not right either. And it just creates a lot of negativity uh, between people because, you know, the person feels like they're always getting their hands slapped. They're not doing anything right. And if we're not giving clear and specific directions as to what we do want, again, this is something that undermines the relationship uh, and creates confusion in the workplace um, between team members and stuff. So we need to focus on the desirable behaviors that we want. And this includes actual uh, activities things we need uh, to get returned to us or whatever, but also um, in just how we show up and what our behaviors are. So there's, there's a lot of nuance to this, and it's really difficult initially to begin thinking in these terms because, we, you know, think about what we grew up hearing as a little child. You know, our parents are always telling us to stop doing things and not doing things, not, not do this, not do that, and right. stop doing this. And so it becomes part of our habit of communication, and that's how we grow up, and that's just what develops in us. And so to think differently, it takes a lot of conscious thought. You know, so what do I want instead? Really, when I do my seminars on this and I get people to start thinking about, okay, this is the behaviors you've been saying you don't want. You keep getting more of it. Well, what's the antithesis? What's the opposite? What do you want instead? And they have to start recalibrating their language to articulate that. And it's a new habit to build. And so sometimes it can be challenging at the very beginning to begin, again, thinking more consciously in this way. Sure. Yeah. No, I, I thought right off the bat when you said that too, I could probably do a better job of that with my kids. <laughs> yeah. And, and adults, you know, are just, you know, larger children oftentimes. And 
uh, they want direction. They want clear direction. Uh, and sometimes we just don't invest enough time and thought into giving people what they need. No, absolutely. I mean, I've, I've been coaching a lot of engineering managers and and I know that this is something that they struggle with because, you know, it's always about telling people how not to do it instead of telling them how to do it. So that's a good one. All right, Skip, what's number three? Three is a lack of immediacy, which means basically we're putting off the conversation. And when I do my seminars and everybody raises their hands, you know, 80% of the room raises their hands saying they have a conversation they need to have that they've been putting off. You know, and I say, well, what's, you know, what's the problem? You know, why are you putting these off? And it's always the difficult conversation. You know, it's the bad news. And I know I'm, I'm sure on some projects for whatever it is, there's engineers face this on a regular basis because there's some scope creep on the project or, you know, there's some cost overruns or something or there's some change orders that they have to articulate. And, and oftentimes, you know, we hold off on delivering that bad news, wishing and hoping something's going to change or make it easier. And rarely does it ever get any easier. It usually just gets worse uh, the more time that passes. And so it's basically communication procrastination, putting things off. In the moment, you know, in that meeting may not be the best time to have that discussion. And what we have to do is we have to look for the first, next, most appropriate time. And most of us know when that is. You know, it should be within 24, 48 hours and it shouldn't fester. Uh, and yet we continue to put off those conversations because they're, they're challenging, they're difficult. It's bad news type of thing. Yeah, no, that's a good one as well. I remember having that situation when I had to tell a client that, you know, it was going to cost more than we anticipated and that's always difficult. But I mean, you try to play up some of the positive points and some of the good things you've done on the project, but regardless, it's still a difficult conversation. All right, Skip, what's number four? Number four is a lack of respectful rebuttals. And this always creates a nice conversation in my seminars uh, because it's basically it's about using but when you're rebutting somebody or trying to have a spirited debate or, or conversation with somebody around certain items. So, and we've all heard this language before, you know, Anthony, you did a really great job, but, you know, here's some other things you have to think about. My favorite that comes up in workshops sometimes, you know, I'd love to give you a raise, but right. you know, you're not getting a raise in that moment. And so, you know, anytime we, we use the word, but to transition from, a positive thing that we want to build somebody up with to something where we got to give them some constructive feedback. It's very, uh, very disingenuous. You know, it, uh, it shuts down the other person's thought process. They realize that the, the other shoe is going to drop in a moment and they stop listening oftentimes, or it raises the emotional intensity of the conversation and makes it much more difficult because the person really feels the other person's being disingenuous. They don't really don't mean what they just said as far as the positive thing. They just want to get their point across on the, on the constructive part of it. And it's funny, I get so much feedback from my clients saying, you know, I just wish my people were more open to constructive feedback. And well, you know, oftentimes, as you know, it's, it's in how it's delivered. And if we're delivering it in that type of language using, you know, the positive thing and then saying, but, well, the person's not going to hear it. They're not going to feel it that uh, your constructive feedback is, is, is genuine because, you know, the, the first part of the conversation really didn't feel, feel good for you. So uh, we need a better way to transition those things and give people the feedback they need while we're also supporting the situation where we do want to build somebody up and make them feel like they are doing good and here's some ways we can just uh, do it even better next time or whatever. Again, it's nuanced language. You have to be very conscious of how you're articulating that next phrase when you transition away from using but, and, and the easiest way to do it is just to use and, 
And again, this is one of those long ingrained communication habits that is difficult to break. And mainly because, again, you're not going to say the same phrase the same way that you would if you use and as a transition, as if you're just going to use the historical but. And so, again, it takes a little conscious thought to reframe and rephrase what we would say next. And there's also um, two other words that you may try and substitute, uh, and that's however and although, and however and although are really just butts in disguise. So we have to stay away from those as well. I guess one other point on this, I would assume, is that if you want to get better at this, is to be, obviously use a different word like and, but also when you are giving them kind of the good part of it, you want to be kind of genuine and, you know, you're not just saying something good so that you can then say, but here's something bad, right? Right. I mean, it has to be genuine. And this is where specificity comes in too. You know, so you would say, you know, Anthony, you did a really great job because of A, B, and C. You know, when you point out the specific things you did well on the, on the project, and then you would say simply, and here's some other ways you can make it even better next time. Got it. It sounds kind of strange, but in reality, when you just by using and instead of but, it allows the positive comments to linger and stick. And it's not nearly as uh, detrimental as the word but, however, or although in that type of situation. But specificity, again, on the front end, outlining what you did well or what you liked or that you experienced, you know, goes a long way to making sure it's a more genuine statement. Definitely. Excellent. All right. What's number five, Skip? Number five is a lack of appropriate tone and body language. Uh, and this is where you have people rolling their eyes at you or pointing fingers or folding their arms at the softest level, probably, and the uh, subconscious level, maybe. Uh, and then you have the other side of it where there's actually, uh, you know, raised voices yelling and berating people in public. And I'm sure in your world, especially when you're dealing with people in the construction field, <laughs> as you're engineering and architectural projects, sometimes the communication is not uh, at the level it should be as far as the appropriate tone and body language. And uh, I know in, in that industry, it, get, it can get pretty nasty. And so think of that this is one of the areas that it can really instantly destroy the relationship uh, where you're berating people in public or yelling or raising your voices. And surprisingly, it happens more than you would think. Uh, and a lot of people in my seminars and programs have been exposed to this, and it's not a positive experience. And the other thing is, even if you're not the direct victim of being yelled at or berated at in public uh, or even behind closed doors, it creates sort of a PTSD in the workplace. Even if you're just around it when it happens, it impacts the whole environment. Yeah, it's contagious. And this really comes from uh, a lack of emotional intelligence and not being able to manage our emotions in the situation. So I strongly encourage people to get some training and coaching around the emotional intelligence aspect and be able to really manage their emotions so they can communicate more effectively with the best you know, appropriate tone and body language there. That's a big one. And if you're the person that often raises their voice or yells, I mean, one of the things that I would say to you is you have to think about how that behavior is going to affect the outcome of your situation. Because most likely, as soon as you yell at someone, they're going to turn off and they're not going to want to help you. They're not going to want to work for you. They're not going to want to get the job done immediately. And then, of course, long term, there could be other effects. So I think... Like Skip said, you probably need to get some coaching on emotional intelligence because it's not that easy to break that habit. But I, the bottom line is it's not going to help you. Let's put it that way. 
Yeah, and it's and again, this is a long term habit, and it has a lot to do with our beliefs and all sorts of stuff, and not being conscious in the moment of the impact. Uh, it's a very selfish way to communicate, and it definitely takes uh, some practice and to be able to really take that step back. You know, we learned when we're five years old when we get upset to you know count to ten before we respond, and we really should be focusing on responding to somebody as opposed to reacting in the moment. And if we need to pull away and find a more appropriate time to have that conversation when the emotions are a little more subdued, you know, we should certainly uh, take that road. All right, Skip, what's number six? Six is a lack of focused attention. And this is where people are uh, multitasking while you're talking to them or you're, you're talking to somebody or trying to play on your smartphone, send a text, type an email, or you're in a meeting with somebody and call comes through and uh, you're right in the middle of a statement and somebody puts their hand up say, oh, I got to take this. And it's, again, it's devaluing the other person. Uh, There's a huge myth in the power of being able to multitask. Uh, So many of us in the workplace today are, you know, it's sort of like in the job description or it's in the the job advertisement, you know, you must be able to multitask. Well, there really is no multitasking when you're conversing with another human being. I think the only place human beings can really multitask, you know, is like playing a musical instrument. (laughs) You know, when you have multiple limbs doing various things, playing the guitar or drums or something like that, that's real multitasking. Maybe if you're driving a a manual speed automobile where you've got the shift and the clutch and, you know, and all that stuff, that's multitasking. Uh, Communicating with another human being, it's impossible to multitask without the other person feeling devalued and and you missing some important message. And so we need to put the smartphone down, give people focused attention when we're talking to them. And just be in the moment because that's really where trust is built and and things are valued. And there's so many pressures on all of us today to get things done in a shorter amount of time. Technology has been a great thing and it's also been a detriment here because it brings us this false belief that we can multitask. And so we need to put that down. The other thing from perspective, especially from an engineering perspective that I found in some of the seminars I've I've done with uh, the industry is uh, if engineers don't feel like they're being heard, or people are not giving them their full attention. I say there's two reasons for that. One is you're not commanding people's attention, and that's by the way you communicate, your again, your tone, your voice, uh, inflections. It's the subject. It's, it's how succinct you are in communicating in a way that gets people to want to pay attention, where there's not a lot of backstory and a lot of uh, lingo or verbiage. From an engineering perspective, I'm sure there's a lot of lingo that you could you could use uh, that some people that are not in the industry don't don't know, but it's common to you. So you need to really use the right language to get people to command people's attention. And the second thing is you're not demanding people's attention. And by that, I don't mean you grab them by the throat and say, listen to me, this is important. But at the beginning of the conversation, you have to ask for it. You know, Anthony, is this still a good time for us to talk? You know, it opens up that that permission where they say, no, this is this is fine. It's a good time. I have a few minutes. Or they'll say, no, it really isn't. Uh, and then you ask if you can schedule a more appropriate time because I need your attention for the next 15 minutes on this topic. And then you schedule a more appropriate time where you can both have that, that 10 or 15 minutes of focused attention time. And so it's funny, I find that it's a rel- uh, revelation to people when I tell them these two things. You, know, you have to command people's attention by your communication style and, and the topics that you speak about and make it succinct and, and relevant to the audience, uh, even if it's an individual one-on-one audience. And then, you know, demanding people's attention just simply by asking for it and saying, you know, I need your attention for the next few minutes. This is really important for us to talk about. And then you can negotiate the most appropriate time to do that. 
And so that's probably a big tip I think that engineers could really learn to command and demand people's attention more effectively. That's great. All right, what's number seven, Skip? Number seven is a lack of directness and candor. And this is about the elephants in the room we're not talking about, and everybody knows what's happening. It's uh, beating around the bush when we're talking to somebody, uh, wishing and hoping that they're going to get it and just pull it through osmosis or out of the sky, what we mean. And then it's also the thing where we're on project teams and there's, you know, say eight, 10 people on the project team and one or two people are dropping the ball, not following through, not responding. And instead of the, the team leader or the engineer going to that individual whom everybody knows is the problem, we just call a team meeting and start talking about teamwork. We really need to support each other. You know, rah, 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 one for all, all for one. Let's make sure we're following through with everybody and supporting each other, yada, yada, yada. Everybody nods their heads in the meeting and then they walk out there and eight of the 10 people know they're not the problem and they're resentful of the team leader and also the people who are the perpetrators. And it just devalues trust because the, the team leader is not dealing with the issue directly with the perpetrators. They're trying to just do it softly in a general context and wish and hope people get it. So the lack of directness and candor is, is number seven, as is number one, the lack of specificity because they're all related. And I think it's the, those are the two most important communication issues going on in organizations today. If we could solve the specificity issue and the lack of directness and candor issue, I think you'd solve 80% of your communication issues. So you've given us the seven biggest mistakes, which are lack of specificity, lack of desirable behaviors, lack of immediacy, lack of respectful rebuttals, lack of appropriate tone and body language, lack of focused attention, and lack of directness and candor. And for those of you that want to just have those in front of you, you can visit engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash champion, and we'll list them out there. So Skip, just talk in general a little bit. I know these are all different issues, but why do these mistakes occur and continue to perpetuate? Yeah, that's a great question. There's, uh, I'd say there's three primary reasons. One is just ignorance. We don't know about them. These communication things have just developed over time and nobody's framed it in quite this way before. That, the feedback I get from this, people go through my seminar, well, in this seminar and the seven communication sins is usually the most highest attended of any conference whenever I'm delivering it. And people come up to me afterwards and say, nobody's ever framed it in this way to us. And I can really pick and choose you know, these and work through them and build habits over time. And so really the first thing is just lack of awareness and lack of framing so that we define them in a way that we can do something about it. If you go into any organization today and ask what, the, what things need to be improved, communication is always going to be at the very top, top one or two. And it never seems to get any better. And rarely after we agree that communication needs to improve, we leave the meeting again and nothing ever changes because ideally we don't define it in a way that makes sense. And so I find that just putting a frame around it and being aware of these seven in a context that we can chip away at is, is hugely valuable. So number one is main reason is we just don't define it. It's the ignorance, uh, lack of awareness of of what the real causes are, what the real situation is. So these seven uh, provide a framework that you can start chipping away at. Now, the second thing is just lazy communication habits. We may be aware that we need to communicate more specifically, and we just don't because we choose not to. Right? We just fall back into old communication habits, and we don't work on it. And you know, if you want to move forward in your career, Anthony, as you know, you really have to keep getting better each and every day and be better than the person next to you. And it's amazing if you look at these seven, 
how easy it is really to separate yourself from your competition if you're looking to advance in, in the engineering career by improving your communication skills. And so you have to just really make that commitment that I'm going to build new habits of communication and I'm going to be much more conscious communicator and I'm not going to uh, you know, fall victim to this. And I'm going to work on communication because it is a major skill. And then the third is, is low self-esteem. And low self-esteem, I think, is an epidemic in our, our society and our culture. And so that low self-esteem is going to prevent us from being more specific. Case in point, a lot of people tell me, well, I, in some situations, I don't want to be specific because I want to give myself some wiggle room. <laughs> you know, I may not be able to get it to somebody by Friday, so I'm not going to tell them that I'm going to be non-specific. And that's all well and good, but that's also holding yourself to a very low standard. And I think, especially in the engineering field, it's, I don't think it's that difficult to set yourself apart from people if you start making commitments and hold yourself to a higher standard. And so that's a self-esteem issue. Not being direct and candid with people is a self-esteem issue because we want to be liked. We don't want to hurt people's feelings. And we don't have necessarily the skills to frame things in the right way to be direct and candid with people. And so, you know, a great way you know, to overcome this is to build better communication habits and skills that will raise your self-esteem and believe that you do have, have value to get what, uh, what you're asking for. And so I do a lot of communication coaching around what I call the five communication beliefs that we probably don't have time to go into. I can uh, send you a resource for that if you want to uh, put that out to your uh, listeners as well about the five power communication beliefs that will help you build self-esteem. So those are the three primary reasons why these uh, communication habits perpetuate. We just went through all these. You're explaining why they occur, why they perpetuate. Why should an engineer take time to fix these problems? It's a great question. Again, uh, I think it comes back to only if they want to get ahead in their career. Uh, again, it's not challenging, not too challenging, I don't think, to set yourself apart. And so I think the reason is, where do you want to go? What do you want to achieve in the world? And the thing that's going to move you ahead, the thing that's going to set you apart, it's going to, the thing that's going to impress people when you're in front of them, either individually or collectively, is how you communicate. So it's such a foundational skill that we take for granted. You know, we've, been, we've been communicating since we we're, what, I don't know, eight, well, we've been communicating since we were born. I mean, as soon as we're out of the, the birth canal, we start crying. That's a form of communication. And, you know, there's probably more nonverbal communication than verbal communication that, that impacts an interaction. And so, you know, we just take it for granted. We've been communicating since we came out of the, the birth canal and people have been communicating ever since. And no one really teaches us how to do it. Yeah. And I think, and, and I asked that question, obviously, I know that's an obvious question. I mean, you know, you want to fix these problems so you communicate better. But I think the point of asking that question is really to reinforce to the listeners that Anybody would want to fix these problems, but it's not that easy of a thing to do. And, and Skip kind of stressed it in, in his last point about habits. You know, you have to build better habits. And that takes dedication, that takes focus, that takes practice every day. Like Skip said, you got to be more conscious about your communication efforts when you go into a conversation. And this is something that we've talked about, I think, in, in recent podcasts is when you have a conversation, you're going to have a meeting. Have a plan for that meeting. You know, go in there with an objective of the, what you want to get out of that meeting. Even maybe some of the things you want to express to people, so that you can be more conscious about it and you can avoid some of the mistakes or problems that Skip talked about here. You know, have some specific points jotted down that you want to get across, and that's what it takes really to improve your 
communication habits. Skip, what strategies can you kind of give out here as we get ready to close down here as far as, you know, overcoming these challenges? There's a couple one you know, I mentioned on the command and demand thing for getting focused attention, being more in the moment with people. I think is a is a powerful one. The one from specificity, and this is this is I'm gonna challenge everybody who's listening right now, because I think this is a big one that can really separate you from the pack. If you call any of your colleagues voicemails and leave a message, typically you're gonna hear a message that says, you know, this is Skip Weissman, thank you for calling. Your call is very important to me. Please leave a message and I'll call you back as soon as possible, right? Or as soon as I can, or at my first available moment or whatever, right? That is nonspecific. And it sounds just like everybody else. Uh, the person calling you has no real belief as to when you're going to get back to them. You know, as soon as possible means absolutely nothing. That is one phrase that we have to lose and, and get rid of, especially in these type of messages. So if you call my voicemail, literally, if you called it today, it would say, thank you for calling. I promise to reply to your voicemail by text, phone, or email within three hours. And 99% of the time, I fulfill that commitment. And I do it for two reasons. One, I want to give people certainty that they're going to hear, hear from me. And secondly, I want to hold myself to a higher standard. So I know when I get that voicemail, okay, I've got three hours to get back to this person. And 99% of the time, you're not going to be able to get that person on the phone anyway if you call them back. You're going to get their voicemail. So it'll take you literally 30 seconds to return the person's phone call and just acknowledge receipt. And say, you know, I got your message, Anthony. I'm working on it. I got your point. I will get back to you by the end of the week with an update as to where I'm at. And I can attest because I left Skip a voicemail and he called me back within a few hours. So, and I think that's a great way to definitely make yourself stand out. So, what we're going to do here is we're we're not done yet. We're going to get into our take action today segment in a minute, and I'm going to ask Skip to give us another strategy that you know something you know in a conversation that you could apply right away today. Before we do that, though, just one question for you, Skip. Can you tell us a little bit about, and we didn't get to talk about this, but how it was to serve as a CEO for these baseball franchises? What kind of an experience was that? It fulfilled my childhood dream. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it had challenges and I'm sure it was fun, but I mean, it seemed like it would be a pretty interesting uh, job. Yeah, I mean, you know, from the time I was seven years old, I wanted to be involved in professional sports and baseball in particular, and I couldn't play the game at an early age, and I knew I wasn't going to be the next first baseman for the New York Mets as I wanted to be. So I had to figure out a way to stay close to the game, and I got my master's degree in sports management and uh, did an internship uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina, and was fortunate enough to be in the right place at the right time. A couple of times I became a, a CEO at uh, 26 years old of my first baseball team, and wow. I was able to progress from there. The only way I can say is, Anthony, I went to a ballpark every day. <laughs> that was my job, to go to a ballpark every day. That was where my office was. and uh, it, was, it was a great career for so long. I met uh, some of my childhood heroes uh, along the way and got to party with some of my childhood heroes along the way. So That's awesome. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. All right. So what we're going to do now is we're going to jump into our Take Action Today segment, and we're going to close it out with Skip giving us kind of one real actionable piece of advice that you can use maybe in your conversations or in your communication efforts that you can start to employ immediately. All right, so here we are in our Take Action Today segment of the show. I really enjoyed this episode. Skip dived into a lot of different challenges for engineers with communication. So I'm going to turn it over to him in a minute here to give us just two more actionable tips. But before we do, I'd like to just offer 
a word from today's episode sponsor. It's no secret that passing the FEPE and SE exams requires extensive preparation. Studying on your own can feel like a daunting task, especially when you factor in the demands of your job, family, and other priorities. This is where a PPI review course can really help. PPI's review courses for the FEPE and SE exams provide you with a structured study plan, lectures from expert instructors, and opportunities to engage with other students and instructors. Their courses also come with a passing guarantee, so in the rare event that you don't pass the exam after completing their course, you can repeat the course for free. PPI is currently offering early bird courses discounts of over $500 through tomorrow, June 10th. So if you plan on taking your exam this year, I definitely recommend you enroll soon to save significant money. PPI's mission is simple. They want to help engineers pass the FEPE and SE exams and advance their careers. Quality is paramount at PPI. In fact, it is the driving force behind everything they do. With best-selling exam review materials developed by PPI founder Michael Lindeberg and other experts in the industry, they have been the source and solution for passing the FEPE and SE exams for more than 40 years. To see how PPI can help you pass your exam and for special offers and discounts exclusive to our podcast listeners, visit ppi2pass.com forward slash coach. That's ppi, the number two, pass.com forward slash coach. All right, Skip, let's finish this out. Give us two actionable tips that uh, engineers can use to try to improve their communication efforts. Looking at all seven of these things can be pretty overwhelming. And whenever we're overwhelmed, it shuts us down and we don't take action. And so I want to just chip this way and make it as simple as possible. Look at the seven and pick one of the seven. I would recommend starting with specificity, you know, whether it be changing your voicemail message or whatever, as we talked about, to something more specific from a timeline of, you know, you don't have to use my three hour response, but, you know, 24 hours, I think is reasonable uh, to commit to getting back to somebody. And you can certainly do that, but pick specificity or pick one of the others, just pick one and focus on it for the next 30 days and say, I'm going to be better at this over the next 30 days and then tell somebody about it. I'm going to work on improving this aspect for the next 30 days, and I'd like you to hold me accountable to it and, and give me feedback on it when I'm, you know, at the end of the 30-day period or whatever, I'll come back to you. I think that's it's a really powerful way to build new habits, make you a more conscious communicator. So that's number one. The second thing is I also want people to understand is that these communication habits occur at three levels. One is our self-communication. So we're committing these communication sins uh, to ourselves. We all, you know, we're the only person we communicate with 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you know, every week of our life. It's also happening uh, one-on-one with other individuals, and it's happening when we present in public, either around a meeting room table in a meeting uh, or presenting from in front of the room. And so these habits occur at three different levels, which means it's impacting 21 contexts of your life. Now it's even a broader context. And so if you need help, I, I highly recommend going to Toastmasters. It's a great, small, safe incubator to improve your communication skills. And so those are my two habits, uh, my two tips. One, pick one of these seven, work on it for 30 days, and get an accountability partner to give you feedback on it. And if you really want to raise, raise your level of communication, build new habits consistently, there's Toastmasters groups in every community that meet regularly, and it's a great, fun way to meet people and improve your communication skills in a very safe environment. Toastmasters is wonderful. I think I mentioned it pretty much on every other episode here because it's so helpful. It is really helpful. And you know, just so everyone knows, the reason that we do this Take Action Today segment at the end of the show is because most of the time, whether it's myself, 
my co-host Christian or any of our guests, the stuff that we're talking about in these episodes are not the kind of things that you're going to stop listening to the podcast and then go change in a couple of minutes or a couple of hours. They take a lot of time, a lot of effort, and a lot of work on your part. But the point of the Take Action Today segment is just to give you a few small steps that you can take to improve yourself. Because if you said to yourself, geez, I just got these seven problems I got to deal with now, then that's like staring up at a big mountain that you have to climb. Whereas if you say, you know, like Skip said, if you just focus on, you know, one thing at a time or one of the seven at a time, like specificity, all of a sudden it makes it something that's more doable. And that's kind of what we want to do with this show is give you actionable pieces of advice so that you can really improve. So with that, I want to thank Skip for coming on the show. Skip, where's the best place that the listeners can find you? Is it at your website or? Yeah, my website is yourchampionshipcompany.com and I use championship company sort of in general terms. Also, you know, you're you're your CEO of your own company, so it certainly is going to fit for individuals as well. Yourchampionshipcompany.com. And the other thing I'd like to offer anybody if if they want more learning on this is they can get the white paper on the seven communication sins and a free webinar recording on the seven deadliest communication sins at uh, its own webpage, which is how to improve leadership communication.com. How to improve leadership communication.com. Okay, great. We'll link to that in the show notes. And again, the show notes for this episode on our website will be at engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash champion. You can go there. You can get a summary of everything we talked about, all the links, books, skips, white paper information, all that information there. And also, if you want to leave any comments at the bottom of the show notes, I will be monitoring them and I'll kick them over to Skip if some kind of a question for him so we can both answer you right there. Until next time, please continue to engineer your own success. Thank you for listening to the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. Be sure to visit engineeringcareercoach.com where you can find all past episodes and also download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also to help develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success.